book two chapter four of the cathedral by hugh walpole this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four the genial heart ronder was never happier than when he was wishing well to all mankind he could neither force nor falsify this emotion if he did not feel it he did not feel it and himself was the loser but it sometimes occurred that the weather was bright that his digestion was functioning admirably that he liked his surroundings that he had agreeable work that his prospects were happy then he literally beamed upon mankind and in his fancy showered upon the poor and humble largesse of glittering coin in such a mood he loved every one would pat children on the back help old men along the road listen to the long whinings of the reluctant poor utterly genuine he was he meant every word that he spoke and every smile that he bestowed now early in may and in polchester he was in such a mood soon after his arrival he had discovered that he liked the place and that it promised to suit him well but he had never supposed that it could develop into such perfection success was already his but it was not success of so swift a kind that plots and plans were not needed they were very much needed he could remember no time in his past life when he had had so admirable a combination of difficulties to overcome and they were difficulties of the right kind they centred around a figure whom he could really like and admire it would have been very unpleasant had he hated brandon or despised him those were uncomfortable emotions in which he indulged as seldom as possible what he liked above everything was a fight when he need have no temptation towards anger or bitterness who could be angry with poor brandon nor could he despise him in his simple blind confidence and self-esteem there was an element of truth of strength even of nobility far from despising or hating brandon he liked him immensely and he was on his way utterly to destroy him then as he approached nearer the centre of his drama he noticed as he had often noticed before how strangely everything played into his hands without undue presumption it seemed that so soon as he determined that something ought to occur and began to work in a certain direction god also decided that it was wise and pushed everything into its right place this consciousness of divine partnership gave ronder a sense that his opponents were the merest pawns in a game whose issue was already decided poor things they were helpless indeed this only added to his kindly feelings towards them his sense of humour too was deeply stirred by their own unawareness of their fate and he always liked any one who stirred his sense of humour never before had he known everything to play so immediately into his hands as in this present case brandon for instance had just that stupid obstinacy that was required the town had just that ignorance of the outer world and cleaving to old traditions and now how strange that the boy falk had on several occasions stopped to speak to him and had at last asked whether he might come and see him how lucky that brandon should be making this mistake about the pibus st anthony living finally although he was completely frank with himself and knew that he was working first and last for his own future comfort 
it did seem to him that he was also doing real benefit to the town the times were changing men of brandon's type were anachronistic the town had been under brandon's domination too long new life was coming a new world a new civilization ronder although no one believed less in utopias than he did believe in the zeitgeist simply for comfort's sake if for no stronger reason well the zeitgeist was descending upon polchester and ronder was its agent progress no ronder did not believe in progress but in the house of life there were many rooms once and again the furniture is changed one afternoon early in may he was suddenly aware that everything was moving more swiftly upon its appointed course than he sharp though he was had been aware crossing the cathedral green he encountered dr puddifoot he knew that the doctor had at first disliked him but was quickly coming over to his side and was beginning to consider him as broad-minded for a parson and knowing quite a lot more about life than you would suppose he saw precisely into puddifoot's brain and watched the thoughts dart to and fro as though they had been so many goldfish in a glass bowl he also liked puddifoot for himself he always liked stout big red-faced men they were easier to deal with than the thin severe ones he knew that the time would very shortly arrive when puddifoot would tell him one of his improper stories that would sanctify the friendship ah cannon said puddifoot puffing like a seal jolly day they stood and talked then as they were both going into the town they turned and walked towards the arden gate puddifoot talked about his health like many doctors he was very timid about himself and eager to reassure himself in public how are you canon but i needn't ask looking splendid i'm all right myself never felt better really just a twinge of rheumatics last night but it's nothing must expect something at my age you know getting on for seventy you look as though you'll live forever said ronder beaming upon him you can't always tell from us big fellows there's brandon now for instance the archdeacon surely there isn't a healthier man in the kingdom said ronder pushing his spectacles back into the bridge of his nose think so wouldn't you but you'd be wrong a sudden shock and that man would be nowhere given to fits of anger always tried his system too hard never learnt control might have a stroke any day for all he looks so strong really really dear me said ronder course these are medical secrets in a way no it won't go any farther but it's curious isn't it appearances are deceptive damned deceptive that's what they are brandon's brains never been his strong point might go any moment dear me dear me said ronder i'm sorry to hear that oh i don't mean said puddifoot puffing and blowing out his cheeks like a cherub in a picture by sir joshua reynolds that he'll die to-morrow you know or have a stroke either but he ain't as secure as he looks and he don't take care of himself as he should outside the library ronder paused going in here for a book doctor see you later yes yes said puddifoot his eyes staring up and down the street as though they would burst out of his head very good very good see you later then and so went blowing down the hill 
ronder passed under the gloomy portals of the library and found his way through faith rather than vision up the stone stairs that smelt of mildew and blotting paper into the high dingy room he had had a sudden desire the night before to read an old story by barge that he had not seen since he was a boy the violent and melancholy hermsprong it had come to him as it were in his dreams a vision of himself rocking in a hammock in his uncle's garden on a wonderful summer afternoon eating apples and reading hermsprong the book discovered he knew not by what chance in the dusty depths of his uncle's library he would like to read it again hermsprong the very scent of the skin of the apple the blue-necked tapestry of light between the high boughs came back to him he was a boy again he was brought up sharply by meeting the little red-rimmed eyes of miss milton red-rimmed to-day surely with recent weeping she sat humped up on her chair glaring out into the room it's all right miss milton he said smiling at her it's an old book i want i won't bother you i'll look for myself he passed into the further dim secrecies of the library whither so few penetrated here was an old ladder and mounted upon it he confronted the vanished masterpieces of holcroft and radcliffe lewis and jane porter clara reeves and mackenzie old calf-bound ghosts who threw up little clouds of sighing dust as he touched them with his fingers he was happily preoccupied with his search balancing his stout body precariously on the trembling ladder when he fancied he heard a sigh he stopped and listened this time there could be no mistake it was a sigh of prodigious intent and meaning and it came from miss milton impatiently he turned back to his books he would find his badge as quickly as possible and go he was not at all in the mood for lamentations from miss milton ah there was barham downs hermsprong could not be far away then suddenly there came to him quite unmistakably a sob then another then two more finally something that horribly resembled hysterics he came down from his ladder and crossed the room my dear miss milton he exclaimed is there anything i can do she presented a strange and unpoetic appearance huddled up in her wooden armchair one fat leg crooked under her her head sinking into her ample bosom her whole figure shaking with convulsive grief the chair creaking sympathetically with her ronder seeing that she was in real distress hurried up to her my dear miss milton what is it for a while she could not speak then raised a face of mottled purple and white and dabbing her cheeks with a handkerchief not of the cleanest choked out between her sobs my last week saturday saturday i go disgrace oh, dismissed archdeacon but i don't understand said ronder who goes who's disgraced i go cried miss milton suddenly uncurling her body and her sobs checked by her anger i shouldn't have given away like this and before you canon ronder but i'm ruined ruined and for doing my duty her change from the sobbing broken woman to the impassioned avenger of justice was so immediate that ronder was confused i still don't understand miss milton he said do you say you are dismissed and if so by whom 
i am dismissed i am dismissed cried miss milton i leave here on saturday i have been librarian to this library canon ronder for more than twenty years yes twenty years and now i'm dismissed like a dog with a month's notice she had collected her tears and with a marvellous rapidity packed them away her eyes although red were dry and glittering her cheeks were of a pasty white marked with small red spots of indignation ronder looking at her and her dirty hands thought that he had never seen a woman who he disliked more but miss milton he said if you'll forgive me i still don't understand under whom do you hold this appointment who have the right to dismiss you and whoever it was they must have given some reason miss milton was now the practical woman speaking calmly although her bosom still heaved and her fingers plucked confusedly with papers on the table in front of her she spoke quietly but behind her words there were so vehement a hatred bitterness and malice that ronder observed her with a new interest there is a library committee canon ronder she said lady st leath is the president it has in its hands the appointment of the librarian it appointed me more than twenty years ago it has now dismissed me with a month's notice for what it calls what it calls canon ronder abuse and neglect of my duties abuse neglect me about whom there has never been a word of complaint until uh, until here again miss milton's passions seemed to threaten to overwhelm her she gathered herself together with a great effort i know my enemy canon ronder make no mistake about that i know my enemy although what i have ever done to him i cannot imagine a more inoffensive person yes but said canon ronder gently tell me if you can exactly with what they charge you perhaps i can help you is it lady st leath who no it is not lady st leath broke in miss milton vehemently i owe lady st leath much in the past if she has been a little imperious at times that after all is her right lady st leath is a perfect lady what occurred was simply this some months ago i was keeping a book for lady st leath that she especially wished to read miss brandon the daughter of the archdeacon came in and tried to take the book from me saying that her mother wished to read it i explained to her that it was being kept for lady st leath nevertheless she persisted and complained to lord st leath who happened to be in the library at the time he being a perfect gentleman could of course do nothing but say that she was to have the book she went home and complained and it was the archdeacon who brought up the affair at a committee meeting and insisted on my dismissal yes canon ronder i know my enemy and i shall not forget it dear me said canon ronder benevolently i'm more than sorry certainly it sounds a little hasty although the archdeacon is the most honourable of men honourable honourable miss milton rose in her chair honourable he's so swollen with pride that he doesn't know what he is oh i don't measure my words canon ronder nor do i see any reason why i should he has ruined my life what have i now at my age to go to a little secretarial work and less and less of that but it's not that of which i complain 
i am hurt in the very depths of my being canon ronder in my pride and my honour stains wounds that i can never forget it was so exactly as though miss milton had just been reading hermsprung and was quoting from it that ronder looked about him almost expecting to see the dusty volume well miss milton certainly i can put a little work in your way you're very kind sir she said there's more than i in this town sir we're glad that you've come among us and hope that perhaps your presence may lead to a change some day amongst those in high authority where are you living miss milton he asked three st james lane she answered just behind the market and st james church opposite the rectory two little rooms my windows looking on to mr morris very well i'll remember thank you sir i'm sure i'm afraid i've forgotten myself this morning but there's nothing like a sense of injustice for making you lose your self-control i don't care who hears me i shall not forgive the archdeacon come come miss milton said ronder we must all forgive and forget her eyes narrowed until they almost disappeared i don't wish to be unfair canon ronder she said but i've worked for more than twenty years like an honourable woman and to be turned out not that i bear mrs brandon any grudge coming down to see mr morris so often as she does i dare say she doesn't have too happy a time if all were known now now said ronder this won't do miss milton you won't make your case better by talking scandal you know i have your address if i can help you i will good afternoon forgetting hermsprong having now more important things to consider he found his way down the steps and out into the air on every side now it seemed that the archdeacon was making some blunder little unimportant blunders perhaps but nevertheless cumulative in their effect the balance had shifted the powers of the air bored perhaps with the too extended spectacle of an archdeacon successful and triumphant had made a sign ronder as he stood in the spring sunlight glancing up and down the high street so full of colour and movement had an impulse as though it were almost a duty to go and warn the archdeacon look out look out there's a storm coming warn the archdeacon he smiled he could imagine to himself the scene and the reception his advice would have nevertheless how sad that undoubtedly you cannot make an omelette without first breaking the eggs and this omelette positively must be made he had intended to do a little shopping an occupation in which he delighted because of the personal victories to be won but suddenly now moved by what impulse he could not tell he turned back towards the cathedral he crossed the green and almost before he knew it he had pushed back the heavy west door and was in the dark dimly coloured shadow the air was chill the nave was scattered with lozenges of purple and green light he moved up the side aisle thinking that now he was here he would exchange a word or two with old lawrence no harm would be done by a little casual amiability in that direction before he realized he was close to the black bishop's tomb the dark grim face seemed to-day to wear a triumphant smile beneath the dark beard a shaft of sunlight played upon the marble like a searchlight upon water the gold of the ironwork and the green ring and the tracery on the scrolled borders jumped under the sunlight like living things 
ronder moved as always by beauty smiled as though in answer to the dead bishop why you're the most alive thing in this cathedral he thought to himself pretty good bit of work isn't it he heard at his elbow he turned and saw devray the painter the man had been pointed out to him in the street he knew his reputation he was inclined to be interested in the man and any one who had a wider broader view of life than the citizens of the town devray had not been drinking for several weeks and always towards the end of one of his sober bouts he was gentle melancholy the true artist in him rising for one last view of the beauty that there was in the world before the inevitable submerging he had on this occasion been sober for a longer period than usual he felt weak and faint as though he had been without food and his favourite vice that had been approaching closer and closer to him during these last days now leered at him leaning towards him from the other side of the gilded scrolls of the tomb yes it's a very fine thing he cleared his throat you're canon ronder are you not yes i am my name's devray you probably heard of me as a drunkard who hangs about the town doing no good i'm quite sure you don't want to speak to me or know me but in here where it's so quiet and so beautiful one may know people whom it wouldn't be nice to know outside ronder looked at him the man's face worn now and pinched and sharp must once have had its fineness you do yourself an injustice mr devray ronder said i'm very glad indeed to know you well of course you parsons have got to know everybody haven't you and the sinners especially that's your job but i'm not a sinner to-day i haven't drunk anything for weeks although don't congratulate me because i'm certainly not going to hold out much longer there's no hope of redeeming me canon ronder even if you have time for the job ronder smiled i'm not going to preach to you he said you needn't be afraid well let's forget all that this cathedral is the very place if you clergymen had any sense of proportion where you should be ashamed to preach it laughs at you at any rate the bishop does said ronder looking down at the tomb no but all of it said devray instinctively they both looked up high above them in the very heart of the great cathedral tower a mist reflected above the windows until it was coloured a very faint rose trembled like a sea about the black rafters and rounded pillars even as they looked some bird flew twittering from corner to corner when i'm worked up said devray which i'm not to-day i just long to clear all you officials out of it i laugh sometimes to think how important you think yourselves and how unimportant you really are the cathedral laughs too and once and again stretches out a great lazy finger and just flicks you away as it would a spider's web i hope you don't think me impertinent not in the least said ronder some of us even may feel just as you do about it brandon doesn't devray moved away i sometimes think that when i'm properly drunk one day i'll murder that man his self-sufficiency and conceit are an insult to the cathedral but the cathedral knows it bides its time ronder looked gravely at the melancholy ineffective figure with the pale pointed beard and the weak hands you speak very confidently mr devray he said as with all of us you judge others by yourself 
when you know what the cathedral's attitude to yourself is you'll be able to see more clearly to myself devray answered excitedly it has none to myself why i'm nobody nothing it doesn't have to begin to consider me i'm less than the dung the birds drop from the height of the tower but i'm humble before it i would let its meanest stone crush the life out of my body and be glad enough at least i know its power and its beauty and i adore it i adore it he looked up as he spoke his eyes seemed to be eagerly searching for some expected face ronder disliked both melodrama and sentimentality and both were here take my advice he said smiling don't think too much about the place i'm glad that we met good afternoon devray did not seem to have noticed him he was staring down again at the bishop's tomb ronder walked away a strange man a strange day how different people were neither better nor worse but just different as many varieties as there were particles of sand on the seashore how impossible to be bored with life nevertheless entering his own home he was instantly bored he found there having tea with his aunt and sitting beneath the hermes so that the contrast made her doubly ridiculous julia preston julia preston was to him the most boring woman in polchester to herself she was the most important she was a widow and lived in a little green house with a little green garden in the polchester outskirts she was as pretty as she had been twenty years before exactly the same save that what nature had twenty years ago done for the asking it now did under compulsion she believed the whole world in love with her and was therefore a thoroughly happy woman she had a healthy interest in the affairs of her neighbours however small they might be and believed in truth beauty and the improvement of the lower classes dear canon ronder how nice this is she exclaimed you've been hard at work all the afternoon i know and want your tea how splendid work is i often think what would life be without it ronder who took trouble with everybody smiled sat down near to her and looked as though he loved her well to be quite honest i haven't been working very hard just seeing a few people just seeing a few people mrs preston used a laugh that was a favourite of hers because she had once been told that it was like a tinkling bell listen to him as though that weren't the hardest thing in the world giving out giving out that is so exhausting and yet what's so worth while in the end unselfishness i really sometimes feel that it is the true secret of life have one of those little cakes julia said miss ronder dryly she unlike her nephew bothered about very few people indeed make a good tea i will as you want me to dear alice said mrs preston oh thank you canon ronder how good of you ah there i've dropped my little bag it's under that table oh thank you a thousand times and isn't it strange about mrs brandon and mr morris isn't what strange asked miss ronder regarding her guest with grim cynicism oh well nothing really except that everyone's asking what they can find in common they're always together last monday aggie combermere met her coming out of the rectory 
then ellen stiles saw them in the precincts last sunday afternoon and i saw them myself this morning in the high street my dear mrs preston said ronder why shouldn't they go about together no reason at all said mrs preston blushing very prettily as she always did when she fancied that any one was attacking her i'm sure that i'm only too glad that poor mrs brandon has found a friend my motto in life is let us all contribute to the happiness of one another to the best of our strength truly that's a thing we can all do isn't it life isn't too bright for some people i can't help thinking and courage is the thing after all it isn't life that is important but simply how brave you are at least that's my poor little idea of it but it does seem a little odd about mrs brandon she's always kept so much to herself until now you worry too much about others dear julia said miss ronder yes i really believe i do why there's my bag gone again oh how good of you canon it's under that chair yes i do but one can't help one's nature can one i often tell myself that it's really no credit to me being unselfish i was simply born that way poor jack used to say that he wished i would think of myself more i think we were meant to share one another's burdens i really do and what mrs brandon can see in mr morris is so odd because really he isn't an interesting man let me get you some more tea said ronder oh no thank you i really must be going i've been here an unconscionable time oh there's my handkerchief how silly of me oh thank you so much she got up and prepared to depart looking so pretty and so helpless that it was really astonishing that the hermes did not appreciate her good-bye dear canon no i forbid you to come out oh well if you will i hear everywhere of the splendid work you're doing don't think it flattery but i do think we needed you here what we have wanted is a message something to lift us all up a little it's so easy to see nothing but the dreary round isn't it and all the time the stars are shining at least that's how it seems to me the door closed the room was suddenly silent miss ronder sat without moving her eyes staring in front of her soon ronder returned miss ronder said nothing she was the one human being who had power to embarrass him she was embarrassing him now aren't things strange he said i've seen four different people this afternoon they have all of their own accord instantly talked about brandon and abused him brandon is in the air he's in danger miss ronder looked her nephew straight between the eyes frederick she said how much have you had to do with this to do with this to do with what all this talk about the brandons i nothing at all nonsense don't tell me ever since you set foot in this town you've been determined that brandon should go are you playing fair he got up stood opposite her legs apart his hands crossed behind his broad back fair absolutely her eyes were full of distress through all these years she said i've never truly known you all i know is that you've always got what you wanted you're going to get what you want now do it decently you needn't be afraid he said 
i am afraid she said i love you fred i have always loved you i'd hate to lose that love it's one of my most precious possessions he answered her slowly as though he were thinking things out i've always told you the truth he said i'm telling you the truth now of course i want brandon to go and of course he's going but i haven't to move a finger in the matter it's all advancing without my agency brandon is ruining himself even if he weren't i'm quite square with him i fought him openly at the chapter meeting the other day he hates me for it and you hate him hate him not the least in the world i admire and like him if only he were in a less powerful position and were not in my way i'd be his best friend he's a fine fellow stupid blind conceited but finer made than i am i like him better than any man in the town i don't understand you she dropped her eyes from his face you're extraordinary he sat down again as though he recognized that the little contest was closed is there anything in this do you think this chatter about mrs brandon and morris i don't know there's a lot of talk beginning ellen stiles is largely responsible i fancy mrs brandon and morris good lord have you ever heard of a man called de Vray? yes a drunken painter isn't he why i talked to him in the cathedral this afternoon he has a grudge against brandon too well i'm going up to the study he bent over kissed her forehead tenderly and left the room throughout that evening he was uncomfortable and when he was uncomfortable he was a strange being his impulses his motives his intentions were like a sheaf of corn bound tightly about by his sense of comfort and well-being when that sense was disturbed everything fell apart and he seemed to be facing a new world full of elements that he always denied his aunt had a greater power of disturbing him than had any other human being he knew that she spoke what she believed to be the truth he felt that in spite of her denials she knew him he was often surprised at the eagerness with which he wanted her approval as he sat back in his chair that evening in bentick major's comfortable library and watched the other this sense of discomfort persisted so strongly that he found it very difficult to let his mind bite into the discussion and yet this meeting was immensely important to him it was the first obvious result of the manoeuvring of the last months this was definitely a meeting of conspirators and all of those engaged in it with one exception knew that that was so bentick major knew it and foster and ryle and rogers the exception was martin the young minor canon who had the living of st joseph's in the fields a slum parish in the lower part of the town martin had been invited because he was the best clergyman in polchester young though he was every one was already aware of his strength integrity power with the men of the town sense of humour and intelligence there was perhaps no man in the whole of polchester whom ronder was so anxious to have on his side he was a man with the scorn of any intrigue deeply religious but human and impatient of humbug ronder knew that he was the polchester clergyman beyond all others who would in later years come to great power although at present he had nothing save his minor canonry and small living 
he was not perhaps a deeply read man he was of no especial family nor school and had graduated at durham university in appearance he was commonplace thin tall with light sandy hair and mild good-tempered eyes it had been ronder's intention that he should be invited foster who was more responsible for the meeting than any one had protested martin what's the point of martin you'll see in five years time ronder had answered now as ronder looked round at them all he moved restlessly in his chair was it true that his aunt was changing her opinion of him would he have to deal during the coming months with persistent disapproval and opposition from her and it was so unfair he had meant absolutely what he said that he liked brandon and wished him no harm he did believe that it was for the good of the town that brandon should go he was pulled up by foster who was asking him to tell them exactly what it was that they were to discuss instinctively he looked at martin as he spoke as always with the first word there came over him a sense of mastery and happiness a desire to move people like pawns a readiness to twist any principle moral and ethical if he might bend it to his purpose instinctively he pitched his voice formed his mouth spread his hands upon the broad arms of his chair exactly as an actor fills in his part i object a little he said laughing to foster's suggestion that i am responsible for our talking here i've no right to be responsible for anything when i've been in the place so short a time all the same i don't want to pretend to any false modesty i've been in polchester long enough to be fond of it and i'm going to be fonder of it still before i've done i don't want to pretend to any sentimentality either but there are broader issues than merely the fortunes of this cathedral in danger because i feel the danger i intend to speak out about it and get any one on my side i can when i find that canon foster who has been here so long and loves the cathedral so passionately and so honestly if i may say so feels as i do then i'm only strengthened in my determination i don't care who says that i've no right to push myself forward about this i'm not pushing myself forward as soon as some one else will take the cause in hand i'll step back but i'm not going to see the battle lost simply because i'm afraid of what people will say of me well this is all fine words the point simply is that as every one knows poor morrison is desperately ill and the living of pybus st anthony may fall vacant at any moment the appointment is a chapter appointment the living isn't anything very tremendous in itself but it has been looked upon for years as the jumping-off place for preferment in the diocese time after time the man who has gone there has become the most important influence here men are generally chosen as i understand it with that in view these are of course all commonplaces to you but i'm recapitulating them because it makes my point the stronger morrison with all his merits was not out of the way intellectually this time we want an exceptional man i've only been here a few months but i've noticed many things and i will definitely say that the cathedral is at a crisis in its history perhaps the mere fact that this is jubilee year makes us all more ready to take stock than we would otherwise have been but it is not only that the church is being attacked from all sides 
i don't believe that there has ever been a time when the west of england needed new blood new thought new energy more than it does at this time the vacancy at pybus will offer a most wonderful opportunity to bring that force among us i should have thought every one would realize that it happens however that i have discovered on first-hand evidence that there is a strong resolve on the part of most important persons in this town i will mention no names to fill the living with the most unsatisfactory worthless and conservative influence that could possibly be found anywhere if that influence succeeds i don't believe i'm exaggerating when i say that the progress of the religious life here is flung back fifty years one of the greatest opportunities the chapter can ever have had will have been missed i don't think we can regard the crisis as too serious foster broke in why not mention names canon we've no time to waste it's all humbug pretending we don't know whom you mean it's brandon who wants to put young forsyth into pybus whom we're fighting let's be honest no i won't allow that ronder said quickly we're fighting no personalities speaking for myself there's no one i admire more in this town than brandon i think him reactionary and opposed to new ideas and a dangerous influence here but there's no personal feeling in any of this we've got to keep personalities out of this there's something bigger than our own likes and dislikes in this words words said foster angrily i hate brandon you hate him ronder for all you're so circumspect it's true enough that we don't want young foresight at pybus but it's truer still we want to bring the archdeacon's pride down and we're going to the atmosphere was electric roger's thin and bony features were flushed with pleasure at foster's denunciation bentick major rubbed his soft hands one against the other and closed his eyes as though he were determined to be a gentleman to the last martin sat upright in his chair his face puzzled his gaze fixed upon ronder ryle the picture of nervous embarrassment glanced from one face to another as though imploring every one not to be angry with him all these sharp words were certainly not his fault ronder was vexed with himself he was certainly not at his best to-night he had realized the personalities that were around him and yet had not steered his boat among them with the dexterous skill that was usually his in his heart he cursed foster for a meddling cantankerous fanatic rogers broke in i must say he exclaimed in a strangely shrill voice like a peacock's that i associate myself with every word of canon foster's whatever we may pretend in public the great desire of our hearts is to drive brandon out of the place the sooner we do it the better it should have been done long ago martin spoke i'm sorry he said if i had known that this meeting was to be a personal attack on the archdeacon i never would have come i don't think the diocese has a finer servant than archdeacon brandon i admire him immensely he has made mistakes so do we all of course but i have the highest opinion of his character his work and his importance here and i would like every one in the room to know that before we go any further that's right that's right said ryle smiling around nervously upon every one canon martin is right don't you think i hope nobody here will say that i have any ill feeling against the archdeacon i haven't indeed and i shouldn't like any one to charge me with it 
ronder struck in then and his voice was so strong so filled with authority that every one looked up as though some new figure had entered the room i should like to emphasize at once he said so that no one here or anywhere else can be under the slightest misapprehension that i will take part in nothing that has any personal animus towards anybody surely this is a question of pibus and foresight and of nothing else at all i have not even anything against mr foresight i have never seen him i wish him all the luck in life but we are fighting a battle for the pibus living and for nothing more nor less than that if my own brother wanted that living and was not the right man for it i would fight him the archdeacon does not see the thing at present as we do it is possible that very shortly he may as soon as he does i'm behind him foster shook his head have it your own way he said everything's the same here always compromise 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 i'm sick of the cowardly word we'll say no more of brandon for the moment then he'll come up again never fear he's not the sort of man to avoid spoiling his own soup very good said bentick major in his most patronizing manner now we are all agreed i think you will have noticed that i've been waiting for this moment to suggest that we should come to business our business i believe is to obtain what support we can against the gift of the living to mr forsyte and to suggest some other candidate um, yeah yeah other candidate there's only one possible candidate foster brought out banging his lean fist down upon the table near to him and that's wistons of hoston it's been the wish of my heart for years back to bring wistons here we don't know of course if he would come but i think he could be persuaded and then then there'd be hope once more god would be served his church would be a fitting tabernacle he broke off amazing to see the rapt devotion that now lighted up his ugly face until it shone with saintly beauty the harsh lines were softened the eyes were gentle the mouth tender then indeed he almost whispered i might say my nunc dimittis and go it was not he alone who was stirred martin spoke eagerly is that the wistons of the four creeds the man who wrote the new apocalypse foster smiled there's only one wistons he said pride ringing in his voice as though he were speaking of his favourite son for all the world why that would be magnificent martin said if he'd come but would he i should think that very doubtful i think he would said foster softly still as though he were speaking to himself why that of course is wonderful martin looked round them all his eyes glowing there isn't a man in england he broke off but surely if there's a real chance of getting wistons nobody on the chapter would dream of proposing a man like foresight it's incredible incredible burst in foster not a bit of it do you suppose brandon i beg pardon for mentioning his name as we're all so particular do you suppose brandon wouldn't fight just such a man he regards him as dangerous modern subversive heretical anything you please whistons why he'd make brandon's hair stand on end well said martin gravely if there's any real chance of getting whistons into this diocese i'll work for it with my coat off good said bentick major tapping with a little gold pencil that he had been fingering on the table now we are all agreed the next question is 
what steps are we to take they all looked instinctively at ronder he felt their glances he was happy assured comfortable once more he was master of them they lay in his hand for him to do as he would with them his brain now moved clearly smoothly like a beautiful shining machine his eyes glowed now it's occurred to me he said they all drew their chairs closer end of book two chapter four